almost September baseball. What are the biggest storylines that are yet to be written in September for the 2022 Marlins? Going to dig into some of them on today's episode of Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. Welcome to Wednesday's episode of Locked On Marlins. Thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Great to have you along. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Yes, I'm based out in England. I'm British. British host of the Marlins podcast. Crazy, right? Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mammy Marlins underscore UK. Please. If you are listening, subscribe to the pod. Why not? It's a daily podcast. Five episodes per week. If you are watching, hello, greetings, and welcome to my living room. Um, Hit subscribe on YouTube as well. Again, same content. If you'd like to watch and listen, YouTube is there for you. And you get to look at me, Gymshark gear and all, in my living room on a daily basis. As you can see, there is no, there's no guest. I teased it out yesterday, Wednesday's episode, Jeremy Taché. There's no Jeremy Taché today, I'm afraid to say, guys. That is pushed to tomorrow. JT, he had the text from his boss. JT, I need you down to the ballpark today. And that didn't work for us scheduling-wise. So, Jeremy Taché joining the show tomorrow. Early teaser for that one. So, Thursday's episode. I'm really looking forward to that. He has been pumping out some real quality content. Some, some awesome interviews all year. So, I'm looking forward to getting his view on, on some of the sound bites that he's heard, what he's seen around uh, the, the clubhouse in general, what the general vibe is of the Marlins. So, Really excited to talk to, to JT tomorrow. So, guys, it's a solo pod. I thought I'd hop on. And I'm starting to think about September now. Uh, you know, I guess it is the 31st of August, so it's right to be thinking of September. The roster expansion, it's only a two-spot expansion, but 26 to 28. So we'll get a you know a couple of extra guys onto the roster. Not like it used to be back in the day where you just had tons of dudes knocking around and the, the season fizzled out. I like the, the rule change in that area, by the way. I think it makes it... Just much more competitive in in many ways. So that's a good thing. The question that's in my mind or the thoughts in my mind are, what are the key storylines for the Marlins heading into September? You know, a month, just over a month of of baseball left to be played. The Marlins season itself, tailspun out of control. They're no longer in it. We know that. But I think it's good to kind of call out what are the key themes if we are still watching or if we're just checking box scores or just listening to this pod following along, maybe that's the way you want to do it. It's up to you. I'll pull out what I think are the key storylines. And to be honest, there's absolutely tons of them. There really is. Let's start at the top, though. The main storyline, in my opinion, remains Sandy Alcantara. We know about this. And listen, the Marlins have never had a Cy Young winner. And so Sandy Alcantara remains every fifth day. Everyone will be tuning in for Sandy starts. Can he get this Cy Young locked in? I think then particularly the way it's gone recently, you know, uh, Gonsolin injured, uh, someone else dropped on the injured list as well yesterday, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's injuries galore knocking around, you know, the, the, the arms are starting to feel the pace. The interesting thing for the Marlins, me and Sean Barrett spoke about it a few weeks back is, do they, do they look to try and manage Sandy a little bit, particularly as this kind of Cy Young thing is wrapped up? I don't think Sandy wants that. I think he just wants full go. 
But I think that's a really intriguing one. A, I don't think it's, will Sandy win the side? I've already said it the other day. He, he has won the side. The interesting bit is, do the Marlins manage him? Do they start to you know, get to the six innings and 90 pitch mark, 95 pitch, and say, hey, that's it, Sandy? That's really intriguing for me. Another major wrinkle is the fact that I, I think I saw this the other day. haven't spoken about it for a while on the pod. I don't believe Mel Stoudemire is extended beyond this year. So from a coaching perspective, I think clearly there's some decisions to make. What's the future hold for Don Mattingly? He's not been extended thus far. Contract ends. Uh, I think all indicators are that Don Mattingly, it will be his final year as manager. However, for the Marlins, P1, outside of anything they do for me, is to get Mel Stoudemire extended uh, as the pitching coach. He has been sensational. There's not a bad word said about Mel. The results speak for themselves. All the pitching staff just continues to get better uh, and better and better. And so the Marlins need to make that happen. I guess, you know, maybe there's some knock-on effects. Who's going to be manager? Who's going to be bench coach? Whatever. There's some pieces that need to fall into place there. But, you know, I think no matter who's around, Mel Stoudemire will be... Uh, a big piece that look to extend. So, Mel Stoudemire, do they extend him? They need to. Does he want to be extended? Guess it's up to him. I think he does. So I think they they find a way to make that happen. Sandy Alcantara, do the Marlins look to limit his innings now? Now that the Cy is pretty much locked up, do they try and let him coast a little bit for the rest of the year? Wait and see on that one. Then the rotation itself. There's There's a ton of guys that have a lot to prove. Pablo Lopez. He definitely doesn't want to be shut down. Pablo, he's on a bit of a roll now again. He started the year on fire. Let's see if he can finish Temba. Um, and I think that would be that would be huge for the Marlins uh, in many ways in terms of Pablo proving himself, the changes he's made. He's talked about he's made some changes. He's it, This is purposeful from Pablo. He's He knows he's been hurt historically, and he's made adjustments in terms of his his preparation in terms of some of his mechanics to look to limit the injuries. So if he can get through a full year without any injuries, I think that's huge for Pablo. It's huge for the Marlins too, in two ways. Either A, they have a, another, you know, they have a, a second starting pitcher, um, a number two, a one B, however you want to look at it with Pablo, two more years of control on him. So that's the worst case situation. You've got a healthy proven stud with two more years of control. Um, with arbitration years. Or it proves to the league that he can take the full workload and the trade value is at a point that helps you to pump up the offense. Um, I'm really intrigued to see the way, where they go with Pablo. Clearly, they talked with the Yankees. They talked, I believe, with the Dodgers, maybe one or two other clubs about, uh, about Pablo and a trade at the deadline. Clearly, he couldn't quite get something done. I'm interested to see if they revisit anything in the offseason. I really am. But for me, storyline is, can Pablo continue the workload right through? On the health front as well, Edward Cabrera, can he put a sustained run together? We spoke about this as well. It's huge for Eddie Cabrera. Obviously, he had a bit of a, a rough that score um, recently. He pitched better than his box score. But, I mean, you know, Mookie Betts got him early doors and ended his streak um, of scoreless uh, scoreless innings and scoreless games in, in a month. Nevertheless, for me, Eddie has shown real progression. I really like what I've seen. It's really interesting, the 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 actual pick, the pitch mix that he went with, with that big curveball heavy game against the Dodgers. 
by all accounts, he he just didn't feel like his changeup was there, so they flipped it, went heavy on the curveball, managed to, in the main, limit the damage against the Dodgers, which are by far the best offense and best, best team around. So, Gennady proved to the Marlins that he can he can handle this workload. He can handle the every fifth day. I think that's huge. We're expecting Trevor Rogers to make a, a, a comeback and be recalled uh, today, I believe. So we're looking, you know, I haven't seen the news. Not sure, you know, there'll be a corresponding move. So the Marlins usually, they leave it late. But for Trevor Rogers this next month and a little bit, it's huge. It really is. It's just not been a great year for Trevor. We're not quite sure why. They gave him a little break. The rehab didn't go great. Then his final rehab really kind of came alive, albeit lineups in, in, in August. So, you know, you got to take it with a pinch of salt. But if Trevor could get back up and show signs of old Trevor, I think that would be just huge for the Marlins. If they can get Trevor back to 2021 first-half form, it would be huge. And let's not forget, Trevor, lefty, league minimum, multiple years of control. You know, if he's on... There's, again, a lot of value there in the trade market if the Marlins want to explore it. They have to explore something with these arms. And so they need to give themselves the most amount of options possible. Let's take Sandy out of it. Let's assume they're not going to go down that path. Pablo, Eddie Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, Jesus Lozado, Braxton Garrett, Daniel Castano. Tons of arms, all with different levels of value, you would say. But um, for me... I said it a few weeks back, you know, Jesus Lazardo's getting to that point where he's just as valuable, in my opinion, as Pablo Lopez. You know, he's got more control, lefty, strikeout abilities there. Um, obviously hurt this year, which wasn't great, bit of a setback for him. Um, but he seems over that now. And so, again, it's just a health thing for these Marlins pitchers. How can they finish the year? And can Trevor get his form back? So many storylines to follow there. You know, it's, it, it, it's going to be tough because the offense has been hard to watch. But overall for the Marlins, you have to say the rotation – particularly now you plug Trevor back in there, there's something there to watch every game. And it's a tough, it's a tough, tough schedule for the fish. So what that means is all these pitchers, they're being tested. They're going to be facing lineups and teams that are in the hunt. Those guys, there's going to be no coasting through September. So I think the numbers are going to feel real from a pitching perspective. I think that's really important as well. Um, We'll flip it over to the offensive side and the main storylines shortly. But uh, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Oh, it's coming around real fast. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Let's flip it over to the offense. What are the main themes there? There's a ton of them as well. First off, sounds like Avisel Garcia, he's been rehabbing. He's had three rehab games, I believe. Um, The results have been underwhelming. Um, Aram Leighton did a good job of sharing and, uh, and and bringing us up to speed on that. How we feel about Avisel Garcia? You know, I think the reality is the, the feeling hasn't changed, but the Marlins are lumbered with the contract. Um, so for the Marlins now, it isn't about how do we get rid of Avi. It's going to be tough to do that. It's how do we get Avi right? How can we bring Avisel Garcia back? What hasn't worked? Is it that he's had to be the guy? 
He's felt because he's paid. He has to be the guy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's hard to, it's hard to know. But as you go into September, there's no pressure now. There's no pressure. You can just play, put in your work, look for quality at-bats, just see what happens. There's no pressure. But for the Marlins, getting Avisel Garcia back to his old form is critical. It's critical for next year because they're already invested in him. So they need to see that turnaround and the production to come around from Avi. I think that we see Avi from tomorrow, most likely. I think the rosters expand. Speaking to Sean yesterday on the episode, you know, who do we go? Is it Jesus Sanchez? Is he back up? Or De La Cruz? I think, you know, Avi's going to be ready. Let's just bring Avi up. I mean, it's the most obvious approach. Leave Burdick up there. Leave Blade, obviously. Leave Encarnacion. Let those guys carry on, do their thing, add Avi to the mix, mix and match in. You know, Avi, spend some time DHing maybe. Maybe that's the, the pathway for him. Um, obviously, Brian Anderson's been spending plenty of time in right field. You know, there's no need to, to push BA into the, uh, you know, into right field either. So, you know, maybe you can you can cycle there. At the end of the day, the Marlins, the season's done. Just get the guys the at-bats, keep everyone healthy. And you'd like to just see, you'd like to see them fit the second one. Talk about Jazz Chisholm yesterday. Um, a decision is going to be made about whether he can resume baseball activity shortly. Time's ticking for Jazz. However, for me, it would be great, much like Pablo Lopez, to see Jazz just back on the field. Just, you know, last couple of games, something. Just so we know he's back. He's feeling healthy. He's a little boost as well. Gives the team a boost, like having Jazz around the clubhouse, etc. I think they've really missed that. I mean, big personality, big dude. We all have. So I think much like Pablo at last year when he came back, made one appearance at the end of the year, we're all like, hey, why are they doing that? At the end of the day, it showed Pablo's healthy, and he continued that through the offseason, and it continued it into through this year. For me, with Jazz, can he get himself back? Can he have a real solid then offseason body of work? And then can he come into the year strong in 23? It's a massive year for Jazz. He's had two seasons that have been really littered with injuries. He plays the game hard, fast, and loose. He throws himself around. It's just the way he plays it. But he needs to find a way to protect himself. It's it's critical for the Marlins. You can't have a an above-average all-star bat at second base or shortstop for the Marlins that misses half of the year on the injured list. It's just, you know, again, it's critical for the fish. Abby's got a hit. Jazz has got to stay healthy. It's critical. You ha- it has to be done. Soler, it sounds... I mean, I haven't heard much about Soler, but again... Let's assume we can try and get him back. Um, saw some interesting stats around him when he's playing left field and how he's just a terrible hitter when he's playing left field versus when he's a DH and he hits like a king. For the Marlins there, they have a DH spot. Just plug Soler in. Let's flip it over to JJ Bladey. Uh, great episode with, with Jeremy Taché, released today. Uh, Miami mic'd up. If you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. No major spoilers for me. I'll, I'll let you go and enjoy the content. It's a very fun Wide-ranging discussion, not all baseball-related, uh, for sure. Um, but the thing about Blade and the one segment I will pull out as a specific, you know, from a baseball perspective, was Jeremy asked him about his his short midterm goals, and Blade just rattled it off like he knows exactly what he's planning to do in terms of the here and now, the off-season, what he wants to do, how he wants his body to feel, what he's going to be like going into into spring what his diet's going to be like. JJ's just got it all worked out and planned. Like, for me, 
that's impressive because he's in the midst of like you know first five weeks at the, at the big league level, trying to get to grips with the schedules, the games, his own production. But then to already be planning that far ahead and to know what he's going to be doing, I think it's very impressive. Um, I've liked a lot of what Blade's been showing us. Um, and I think there's a good chance that that he is on the opening day um, roster and lineup in 23, subject to you know maybe some further moves, upgrades, whatever that may be. But yeah, for me, Blade's showing that he can be a contributor here. I think, and uh, you know, lefty stick, good eye, good approach, um, and you know, a good work ethic. Fully switched on. Love what I heard. But again, for Blade, it's just like, can you carry it on? Can you carry it on for the rest of this month? And, you know, keep making those adjustments. The one thing he did call out, and I've seen people call out on Twitter to say, he needs to shorten his swing up a little bit. And, I mean, we said the same about Jesus Sanchez. The swing was just way too long and exaggerated. For Blade, shorten the swing. You know, the velocity is so high, you, you, you have to shorten it up. You can't just keep flailing away. You're going to get beat um, with velocity. So, he's aware. He knows what adjustments he needs to make. It was great to hear. Great episode. Like I said, we'll have JT on uh, on tomorrow to talk uh, more about, about that interview and, and wider topics. So, Blade, huge storyline. Can he prove himself? The first base situation remains another massive, massive uh, conundrum in many ways for the fish. We know Garrett Cooper, one more year of control, um, relatively cheap, has been an all-star this year. We know Coop will likely be on the roster. The question then is, who who else will be on the roster? Bearing in mind, Lewin Diaz, no more options. Heyrard and Canacion, I don't believe any more options either. Need to check that. But I don't believe either of them dudes have any minor league options, much like now Jesus Sanchez. So these guys are all walking the major league tightrope. Can they prove themselves? And can the Marlins believe in them to deliver? The problem is, with Lewin, maybe even Heyrard, but for, for Lewin in particular, they... It feels like he would be what we well, let me let me phrase this differently. What the Marlins need from first base is likely middle of the order power production, big time. But Lewin thus far has not really shown that of the major and would probably suit better hitting lower in the order. A bit like with the Braves. And it's different when you've got a center fielder, but with the Braves and Michael Harris, he was hitting the nine hole, continued to hit the nine hole. No pressure down there. You're in the nine spot. It is what it is. Laywind's kind of been up, down, up and around, left out. I don't know. The time and the and the clock has been ticking on Laywind for some time. The the way the Marlins have managed him, I've mentioned it multiple times. I've, I've just I've not understood what they've the approach they've taken. Don't feel like they've given him the best opportunity to excel, in my opinion. However, this final month, massive for Lewin Diaz. Massive. Massive for Heyra and Canacion. And let's be honest, Encarnacion, most of the days I look up, Encarnacion's hidden. He has been. He's hitting. He hits lefties really well, too, and barely any uh, Marlins hitter can, can say that. So huge, huge month for Lewin Diaz and also Encarnacion and also maybe Jesus Sanchez in their Marlins careers. Will any of them make it onto the roster next year. It's up for debate. The reality is the Marlins need upgrades. And so maybe they're the guys that, that you know, fall by the wayside. We'll wait and see. Aside from that, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many other question marks knocking around here for the Marlins. Like it's just, this question mark after question mark. What about Brian Anderson? I've already spoken about it. For me, I think BA 
They're protecting him at third base now. So he knows he's just pretty much working on his hitting, some outfield work in right field, bit of DHing. BA's looked a nice hitter. Um, one more year of ARB. Do the, what do the Marlins do? Do they do they pick it up? I think they do, but I think maybe they look to uh, create like a, a, a maybe an extension type opportunity there um, for another another year on top of the the final ARB year. Don't know. Wait and see. But Brian Anderson remains it. Miguel Rojas, El Capitan. Is there pressure there? I wouldn't say there is defensively. Can he win a Gold Glove? I'm not sure. It'd be maybe a top three, maybe in the final uh, the final three, perhaps for for Gold Glove. He deserves it. He's been absolutely sensational with the glove. You cannot uh, deny that. However, offensively, it's been a main main struggle. Um, where do the Marlins go in the middle infield? Where do they go? All of these trade rumors were circling around uh, around Pablo Lopez. Were around acquiring a big a big power. I say big power relative anyway to the position. A middle infielder with power um, and proven power. You've already got Jazz in there too. What does that mean for Miggy and his future? Um, you know, does he become and play more of a bench role? You know, kind of how maybe the Martin Prado role in his final year with the Marlins, I guess, would probably suit. I think just Miggy's playing a bit too much now for the age and the, the the production. He's playing too frequently. He needs to have his role minimized slightly. Um, and that's not a knock on Miggy. It isn't. It's just the reality of where he's at and the production we're seeing. If the Marlins are to be successful in 23, they have to make tough decisions offensively. And there has to be upgrades. And how they do that is going to be very, very intriguing. But for Miggy Rowe, I don't think he's got anything left to prove, I would say. I don't think it's like a prove-it month or anything like that for Miggy. But, you know, it's it's an interesting offseason and the way the Marlins play it with him specifically. I think there's so many storylines to be written here with this this Marlins team. There, there really is, even in the even in the depths of September. Um, you know, Avi. Let's just summarize it. Avi, can they get him back? And can he can he show can he show out in this final month? I think that'd be huge for him going into next year. They're not going to move him. Can they get Soler back in time? Don't know. Can we get Jazz back so we can have a full run? Uh, into the into the off season, into the spring, come back stronger and work out. You know how he can protect himself a bit more. Can Blade execute on the plan he's got and put himself in position to make the the opening roster? First base remains a mystery. Can Lewin Diaz give the Marlins confidence that he can be the first baseman of the future? Could even Heyrat Encarnacion put his name in the hat? We haven't seen Encarnacion at first base, but he's been taking reps there. Can Encarnacion put his name in the hat to say no? I can be the first baseman of the future as well. All up for debate there. On the pitching side, can Sandy win the side? Can Pablo continue this and show a full year's worth of work? Can Trevor Rogers right the ship? Can Jesus Lazardo continue? Can Eddie Cabrera stay healthy right the way through? What's happening with the bullpen? I mean, I think we know where we're at on the bullpen in many ways. Um, it needs an overhaul. Um, a lot of the guys have, you know, are, are struggling a little bit now. Tanner Scott's kind of a little bit out of the ninth inning role. It doesn't really matter now, I guess, but you know, Tanner Scott is what he is. We know what he is. Cole Solsa's kind of struggling coming back as well. Uh, Dylan Floro's been up and down. You know, the bullpen is what it is. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to have many games, you know, that they're going to be needing to hold on to leads or or, or wins, etc., because the offense just hasn't been good enough. Overall, in September, can they flip the script offensively? Can they find a way to play loose, score some runs? and give Marlins fans some joy and pleasure of watching the games. What's happening with Mel Stottermeyer? Massive decision to make there. What's happening with Don Mattingly? 
I think probably we already know what's going to happen with Don Mattingly. So in the offseason, it will be who will be the new manager, what type of guy, personality, background do they go for? Love Donny as a person. Love his style in many ways. Um, I think it'd be interesting to shake, shake it up a little bit and see what what a different type of personality would do into that into that clubhouse and that locker room. So there's plenty, guys. If you're still watching, I hope you're enjoying. At times, you know, it has been hard to watch, but let's hope as we get into September, there's a few more storylines of fun that we can get into. Put on Twitter as well today, what's been your favorite game of 22? Sometimes you need to look and think of the, the fun times that we've had following this team. There's been way too many L's and there's been way too many frustrations and it's kind of spilled over, uh, you know, as it does. Nevertheless, we have to sometimes reflect and look and ask ourselves, you know, what were the games that really got us juiced? For me, I think there's been one, it's not quite unanimous, but near unanimous uh, answer to that. It was the Sandy complete game against the Cardinals. Uh, when Avi Garcia got them into the ninth um, and gave Sandy the the chance, I guess, to, to go out there um, and look to win it. And he did. And the Marlins ended up winning that game, I believe, 4-3. A couple of runners on. Mound visit. Sandy Alcantara just kind of shouted in his glove, Don, get back there. And he let him go. And he gave him that big, iconic point which will be one of the images of 2022. So we should sometimes reflect on these. The Marlins have, have won some fun games along the way, and they've lost some terrible ones along the way too. But guys, that's going to wrap us up for Wednesday's episode of Locked on Marlins. It was an impromptu solo pod, so I, I apologize for that. I teased out Jeremy Taché, but as I mentioned at least five times already now, JT joining me tomorrow on Thursday, the 1st of September. We'll look back at this race series and also look ahead uh, to the weekend action, and also just some more general conversation with Jeremy. He's been doing a great job uh, with his podcast, his multiple podcasts, actually. It's not just Mammy Mike Dub, of course. It swings and misses as well, which um, is always such a, an awesome source of inf information and insight for all of us. So with that being said, guys, enjoy the game this evening. Uh, I believe Trevor Rogers uh, is a good chance he'll be back. Hopefully the Marlins can get a, a W, and then be back tomorrow with Jeremy Taché.